0: Welcome to the Wealth Easy Podcast, your destination for insights on wealth, health, and real estate. I'm your host, John Durbanum. I went from former financial advisor for a big bank to now educating people on how to plug your financial leaks and create your rich life without using the stock market. Before we dive in, please hit that subscribe button and share it with others. By subscribing, you're helping the show grow using the algorithm and allows us to get even more successful guests on the show. Now let's begin creating your rich life. Welcome back to the Wealth Easy show where we talk all things wealth, health, and real estate. Today, we've got a special treat for you. We're going to be discussing identity theft and how you can prevent yourself from becoming a victim of it. And here to lead the conversation is someone who has spent 40 years working in the financial service industry. He's published and co-authored four books, of which two were bestsellers. Please welcome to the show, Graham McWaters. Hey, John. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So give my listeners a two-minute bio on yourself. You have a very extensive bio, but try and keep it to two minutes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that.
1: So uh, born and raised in Montreal, got a BCom in finance and international business from McGill University. And then I went on to work in the sales and marketing. Uh, I worked in the corporate relocation world and real estate. Then I ended up getting into the mortgage industry where I was handling a lot of credit bureaus and seeing a lot of credit files. And then I got into the insurance and the investment community, and I'm, I'm sort of less, more or less, semi-retired right now, and working on a few little hobbies here and there. Well, you've got uh, you've got a hockey drive that
0: you're doing. Let's just talk about that for a second, because okay. you you're just on uh, CTV National last night. Yeah. You've been you've been really active with doing a hockey drive. Tell us real quickly about that before we get into
1: uh, a, the big topic that everybody is is really wanting to know about identity theft. Well, thanks for asking me about that, John. Um, I've been working, uh, gathering hockey equipment in the greater Toronto area now for nine years. And what we do is we gather it, sort it, bag it, tag it, and then we deliver it or Indigenous communities come to us to pick it up. And it's exclusively for Indigenous communities in Canada. We started in Ontario and in November we branched out to Yellowknife. And now we're going to Manitoba at the end of this month. So we gather about a thousand bags of hockey gear. And then we distribute it to anywhere from 25 to 35 Indigenous communities, helping put youth on the ice, keeping them healthy and
0: safe. I love that. That's really great. That's giving. That's really giving back to the community. And before we get into it, why don't you just tell people how, if they if they have hockey equipment and if they want to help out, how can they
1: donate or how can they reach you? So we have a, a website. Uh, we belong to a sports charity called Their Opportunity. And if you go to theiropportunity.com, you'll see their Pillar, one of the pillars there is diversity and inclusion. And that's the section that I'm in. And it gives you all the details of upcoming hockey drives, what we're looking for, what we need, what we don't need. And it's all there. And the whole story is there as well. That's amazing. Uh, congratulations
0: to your success with that. And I wish you more success. And I think what you're doing is a really great thing to helping the indigenous communities and the less fortunate uh, to, to get on the ice and play hockey. Thanks, John. So identity theft, it's a real big topic. I mean, I get emails constantly of some sort of phishing scam and they look so real. Um, and there's always these phone scams. Uh, it's, I think it's getting more and more every day. So
1: what is identity theft? Well, identity theft um, compared to fraud, two two big differences there. The identity theft is when someone actually steals your identity, they become you. So they've got your personal and identifiable information, and now they recreate you, and then they use that to commit crimes and fraud. Mm -hmm. So that's where they get the, the entire, they get a picture of themselves, but it's got your date of birth on it, the address that they want for servicing, not your address. And now they'll go in, they'll open up bank accounts. They'll start doing all kinds of fraudulent transactions. They'll get credit cards. They'll go rent cars under your name. But it's really them doing it, not Mm -hmm. you. It Mm -hmm. it goes, like I'm going to give you more details about it, but it's when they actually become you and commit crimes and fraud with it.
0: And now you got fraud. So really, what is the big difference between identity theft and fraud? Because
1: they are different. And uh, yeah, they are significantly different. But when someone steals your identity, their goal is to make some financial reward and they'll commit frauds and crimes doing so, like renting a car and then not returning it. Like they've, that's 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 a crime, right? Or renting skis and then leaving with the skis. Mm. Now they get, uh, you know, $400 pair of skis. I mean, that's small. They're, they do worse than that. Uh, fraud, someone can commit fraud anytime. Fraud, they don't need your ID. They can just commit fraud. Fraud, right. they can do, do a fraudulent transaction. They can do all, they don't need your particular identity. To do, they can do it under their own name mm-hmm. and eventually get away with it if they don't get caught kind of thing, you know. But um so the, the difference between the two is, one, they actually use your ID, your name, your date of birth, and they ruin your credit and use your social insurance number or social security number, depending on where you're residing, and they actually then do the fraud. Fraud can be done without all that. Right. How did you become an expert in identity theft? Well, it about... Oh, about fifteen years ago, my wife and I went to use our our debit card, and we were past our daily limit. And we, we went, how do we do that? Because back then it was only uh, I think five hundred bucks. Right. Now it's like a thousand or fifteen hundred. And uh, we went online and uh, or we called the uh, the bank. That's right. And they said that somebody had uh, used uh, our debit card to take out four hundred ninety nine dollars to buy some software. Uh, checking software, uh, some fraud, something to monitor your uh, your software, and and I'm we, well. We didn't buy any software, and it was like the, we hadn't bought anything for 4.99, and uh, the, we were at Blockbuster and we couldn't rent a movie at that. Remember Blockbuster? Oh yeah. Remember there used to be a thing called VHS. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> Jumbo Video, <laughs> Rogers <yeah>. Video, <laughs> and when we went to use the card, we couldn't use it, and that's when we found yeah. out, and that's when we spoke to the bank. Now, interesting part is, I went to see if there were any books in Canada published on this topic. I was doing all kinds of research and there were none. Wow. And then I said, I went to my publisher because I had done some other books before. And he said, Oh, there's a whole bunch of books coming out in the fall on that. You're don't bother. I said, well, I'm going to put it together anyway. I went to him and I said, look, if I buy a couple thousand of these books and you publish it and we do this, we do that. Will you still, will you publish it? Then he goes guaranteed. So we, he had a guaranteed purchase order from me because I knew I could get rid of 2000 and before you knew it, we sold way over ten thousand. That's uh, that's quite an achievement. I mean, that that gets you very close to the New York Times best selling. I think it's fifteen thousand to get the yeah. New York Times. So you're you're actually pretty close to but that. Yeah, we we did very well. We did a lot of self promoting. Uh, I used to work a lot with financial advisors like yourself. Uh, I did a lot of speeches in Vegas, Newfoundland, Alberta, Northern Ontario. I was out on the road a lot doing speeches, and I was getting calls all the time. How
0: do you think identity theft has become such an epidemic in America?
1: And why why is it the fastest growing crime? Well, everybody has a computer. Everybody has a cell phone. You can get a phone, a text, an email on both, or at least on the phone and on your computer, you can get emails. And those emails and those phone calls and those texts can all have some kind of a hyperlink or an attachment or an action that they ask you to do and and millions and millions of these are going out every hour people are pumping this stuff out they i guess it's the old you know if you throw enough spaghetti on the wall mm-hmm. one of the noodles is going to going to stick and that's exactly what these guys are doing so they know that everyone's accessible and they're just they just keep on pounding them with all these different you know different ways of of ripping them off or stealing their id what's the impact to society that that it
0: has on on in north america i mean it's
1: it's in the billions oh th- yeah definitely the The hardest part is tracking it because not not everybody reports it mm. that's not because uh p- some people are ashamed so if you got scammed uh there's a romance uh scamming there's a, a you <laughs> know there's a one where my grandson is in jail uh in in the cuba and i need to send a thousand us to get him out of jail you know the grandma and grandpa are embarrassed that they sent that one thousand uh, the, the 60-year-old widow who now mm-hmm. uh, gave $55,000 to some man she fell in love with that doesn't even exist, she's not going to tell anybody unless one of her children finds out, and then they go and report it, which you hear about it every so often. So it, a lot of people don't report it, John. Uh, it's definitely in the billions in the States and in, in the hundreds of millions in, in Canada. Um, and it's uh, the lack of reporting is not good. What about AI?
0: Because now you're hearing AI technology... I mean, people are getting phone calls thinking that it's their child. Mom, I need help. I mean, and it's like,
1: it's them. I can see the AI multiplying the identity theft and the fraud on the phone going forward. I can see that growing. I don't have a statistic on it, but based on what I've seen recently on how they're, you know, putting images of of somebody up talking about a product and it's not really them. You know, so now what's wrong with, you right, you just said it. Someone could call and it could be the same voice as the grandson because someone got a copy of the grandson's voice telling grandma I'm in jail in Cuba. I need $1,000 to get out. Well, look, they
0: just, uh, Twitter had to ban searches of Taylor Swift because someone someone with AI technology produced naked photos of her and were spreading it around Twitter. Yes, and, and that's all done by AI. So AI, I think um, it could be good and it could be really bad. It could be used for the wrong yep. things. Yeah, I can see that growing. In your opinion, what's the most common and dangerous forms of identity
1: theft that, that people have to be aware of? Definitely, definitely clicking onto an attachment and giving up personal information. And now the person that gets that information attacks you, goes into your bank account, Goes into your because you you know if they get if they get your uh, get onto your computer and you have got your uh, where you save your password yeah. when you log into your bank account now they can start doing transfers like you got to be Are careful. these phishing scams? Uh, yeah, usually they fish for information um, and they get it by sending you a link. You think it's a legitimate link you start filling out the information and they use fear to get you to do it. Say, if you don't do this, you're going to lose access to your credit card, your debit card, your bank account, your phone, your your cable, whatever it is. They, they always do some, there's always some kind of a, a threatening manner and a fear of losing something and people think, well, I better act. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I'm going to tell you more. Uh, I know you've got some more questions on how we can prevent this, but the, as we get into the uh, interview, I'll give you some details on what you can do to prevent that. Well, it's interesting because I mean, I get, all sorts of emails and,
0: and the one that I laugh at constantly and I won't get one. I'll get like 15 or 20 saying, I have some terrible news for you. And i will read is like, I've caught you doing naughty things. You seem to like porn. And I start laughing and it says it's caught me pleasuring myself. It's like, First of all, I don't watch porn. Second of all, this is the funniest thing that I've ever read. It's like, don't try to contact the police. If if you want your secrets to stay safe, um, please transfer $1,240 of Bitcoin to my wallet. Now, I know it's bullshit because A, I don't watch porn. But B, what if someone who actually does watch it thinks, oh my God, this guy's got a video of me. And it's going to circulate. If I don't, I mean, how many people you think actually fell for
1: something so stupid like that? That's the first time I heard about the porn scam. You <laughs> <I've, laughs> like must be a target. You know, it's your, it's your good looks, John. <laughs> when it comes to the um, uh, targeting people with specific, I I get nonstop. Your Rogers bill is ready to be paid. Yeah. Okay, and I report it to Rogers. Actually, you can you can report it. And I get it nonstop and I block, I block all the spam. I block all the phone calls that come in that say, hi, we're calling from Visa, the, the, the security department. Uh, your card has been uh, compromised. Um, I don't use my Visa cards. I mm-hmm. only use one card and it's my Costco card because I get the maximum cash back on that. Rewards galore, paid off regularly. So I don't use any of these other cards. So the, And if I do get scammed on those other cards, I didn't use them, so that's the credit card companies fault or problem, mm-hmm. not mine. Oh, by the way, that's an interesting. Uh if you um if somebody steals money from your bank account or your credit cards and you are not the one that relinquished the PIN number or you were not part of the scam, you didn't give up personal personal identifiable information of any kind to inhibit to encourage the scam to go on, the bank has to give you back your money in your bank account and they have to replenish your credit card or whatever was taken out. And so it, do not share your pin number with anybody. How do they prove that though? I mean, it's I mean the
0: the, the, the banks I find they'll bully you and they'll they'll try to deny you uh, and they'll take forever to send the money back, but I think I think the first
1: line of defense for them is always going to be, you know, prove prove you didn't give the pin. So the other one is the uh, so someone buys something in the United States with your credit card. And Right in the, it was a, they were there when they did it. It mm-hmm. wasn't done on the phone or computer and you live in Toronto mm-hmm. and they did it in LA. Well, you can prove you were in Toronto. Sure. Um, the, the a lot of the credit card transactions now, uh, anything out of the norm, you might get, a an email or a text or a phone call saying, is this, are you really buying this item right now? If you buy two large items back to back, which I did once, when I went to buy the second item, my wife got a phone call at the house saying, are you currently buying this item? And she called me, said, are you buying two of these items? And I said, yes. So they let the second item go through. So they've got a lot of safeguards. And they will protect the consumer if they're not the one. If you you give your son your debit or credit card to go to the movies tonight, and he says, what's the PIN number, Dad? And you give it to him. And while he's there, somebody steals the information on the card and gets the PIN number. And the credit card company calls you up and say, did you share your PIN number with anybody recently? The answer is no. Sorry, I have to tell you to lie in this case. Because if you say yes, whatever got taken off that card while your son was using it fraudulently, you'll have to pay for it. Do not share your PIN number. And if you do it with a close family member, I would not relinquish it (laughs) that you did so. Get them their own card. Yeah, get get them (laughs) their own card. Um, What advice or
0: strategies would you give to someone to help prevent their identity from being stolen?
1: Well, one thing that's interesting is uh, your social insurance number and your birth certificate are two really powerful pieces of documentation. Um, and every time I would go and do a speech, I would always ask the audience, does anybody have these two cards in their possession? And the first person that would come up to the stage, I would give them a free shredder. I had an arrangement with a shredding company. They would give me shredders to give away really high, powerful ones worth three, $400. And, um, It's amazing how many people would run up to the stage. I had people pushing each other to get there first. And um, so then now I used to, I used to get two shredders. So it's amazing how many people have those two pieces of information. Why do you need to carry your birth certificate and your social insurance card in your wallet? You don't. don't. Your passport. You don't want to carry that around either. In my safe. Uh, Yeah. All those things should be put in a safe spot. The only time you need to give out your sin is when it has something to do with tax, something to do with CRA. And if you're, if you're working with John, you don't have to worry about that. You will not pay tax. Right, John? Right. <laughs> 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 so anyway. We'll and, show how uh, to legally yeah, avoid paying yeah, tax. Avoid paying tax, yeah. Not evade, avoid. Yeah, yeah correct. So, yeah, so the, those two cards are extremely important. Don't carry them around. And do not share the information on those. Do not share anything that's personal and identifiable to you that someone can use to recreate you. That's the thing. Protect that information and don't give it out on the phone, on a text or on email unless you know who you're dealing with and you must give it out. Let's say I get a call
0: and it's a 1-800 number and it says, hi, this is a TD fraud. Um, we've noticed some suspicious activity on your card. Uh, we'd like to just verify some information. Can you please, uh, for the record, uh, to make sure that we're talking to the right person. Can you give us your address? You know how we sell them? (laughs) You called me, you should have it there. Yep. Why don't you tell me the address and I'll tell you if you're right or not. That's great. Well, no, 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 I, we
1: can't do that. I said, then fuck off, goodbye. And I hang up on them. Okay, so this one has been done a lot. Um, it's, I'm really glad you brought that one up. So what happens is on the back of your credit card, there's a number to call. Call that, say to the person, uh, uh, what number can I call you back on to, so we can start this conversation over again because I'm busy doing something right now. Mm-hmm. Let's see what number they give you. Then go look at the back of the credit card and you'll see if it's the same number. Well, that's pretty good. Call the number on the back of the card. Say, I just got a phone call from the f- someone saying they were from TD Fraud, saying there's been some suspicious activity on my card. Did you call me? And if they say no, then the case is closed. If they say yes, it's okay, what would you like to know? And it's okay if you call them on the number on the card and you get the correct person and they want to verify who you are. By all means, John. Because you called them. You called them. Same thing with websites. If you get um, someone send you a uh, aircanada.ca uh, a sale to Cuba, two for $1,400 anytime, two weeks stay, whatever. Something really, it's, uh, the, the other one is it sounds too good to be true. Yep. We'll get into that in a minute. But re- regardless, if you get a link to something like that, don't open it. Now, if you're interested, in go to Cuba at that price. I'm not even sure if that's a good price, but you know what I'm getting at. Might be too expensive. Yeah, it might be too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so what you do is, you know what you do, you actually go to aircanada.com or .ca, whichever one it is that you that is the normal site you would go to to check out the current sales and check it out to see if it's real. You know, I get I get emails sometimes
0: uh, from UPS, and it'll it'll literally have a picture of the UPS truck. It will be identical to the website, um, and it'll say UPS at the top. But if I take my mouse and I just kind of hover over the link the link, yeah. I'll get this like really weird email address and right away I know it's not from UPS or DHL or Amazon. Like yeah. something weird. So I think that's that's how that's what I do to protect. It. I say, you know, this really looks suspicious. Let me just let me just see and I'll click the details or look at where that email is coming from. Yep. And it's not a UPS. And right away, I just block it. I block and
1: it goes right to spam. Yeah. Yeah. So what I do, um, a lot of mine are in the spam. I look at them all to see, because sometimes uh, items come into spam that shouldn't go there. And I look at them all and then I click on them all at the same time. And I say, block sender, gone. They're already in my spam. Now, if it comes in my regular email, then I'll check it out. And again, if it says my Rogers bill is currently available, I go over and I click on the name and I look oh what why would John Smith at rogers.com be sending me information on my Rogers or, bill or not even rogers.com it's it's something else it's yeah, some other from the, from another country yeah, yeah. so th- they hijack other people's emails to use that their email to send to you sometimes too who are the most targeted people for identity theft Identity theft varies identity, uh, fraud I would say it's definitely seniors but ide- like actually stealing someone's identity, it could be anybody. There is no actual, I wouldn't say it, it, it's got to be someone. It's not they're not going to try and steal the identity of a 16 year old. They're going to go after people probably, you know, 30 and up. But when it gets to stealing the identity or committing fraud with someone online or on the phone or email, it's probably going to be a senior. But they're, they're looking for people that have, that, that they can access their, their credit, their bank accounts, their house, you know, so they can get some, some assets. They're not going to go after someone who's like 19 or 20 years old. You're not going to get any assets there. So I don't know how they decide who they're going to target identity theft and fraud. Like I said earlier, there's a distinction between the two. Somebody might just do one, a one time shot with you to just to get that into that bank account, but they don't recreate your whole identity, but they use the hyperlink and the, and the form and the, the data, the phishing to get all that, you know, But they don't go out and create a a driver's license and a credit card and go get loans. and That's the full-blown identity theft. So the age they go after, I don't know the exact age, John, but I can tell you that they're looking for assets. So they're not going to go after someone that wouldn't have assets.
0: How do they target? How would they target like a senior or, you know, someone who's got some assets? You know, most seniors probably have most of their home paid off. How can they, how do they find like an actual scene or is there, is there, is there some sort of public? There,
1: yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not sure how, it's funny. In all my research, I've never really read anything about who, how they go after those people. I think it's more or less like a shotgun approach mm. where they, they just put it out like the spaghetti, like I mentioned earlier. And when they land on that person, they'll take what they can get. And they, the more vulnerable the person is, like the person that's caring and understanding and, and is willing to give up information because they're lonely and they're at home by themselves. They get an offer that sounds too good to be true. They follow through with it. They lose their assets. You know, I think it, it ends up being somebody that's vulnerable. Do you think seniors are more mm. trustworthy? Uh, yes. Gullible? Yes. Yeah. Especially if uh, someone by themselves. Uh, they, they can't, you know, so a, a woman that's, uh, you know, 78, and she gets this email that sounds pretty reasonable and makes sense. And now she follows through with it. Before you know it, she's lost $55,000. Um, the only way you can get that to stop is if they, uh, you know, when it first starts, they should be talking to a relative or a friend, someone that can they can go to, they can confide in and say, hey, I just got the phone in, what do you think? And, and most people are going to counsel them not to fulfill that request that's being asked. So really, if you think you're getting
0: a suspicious email, a suspicious phone call, you should just hang up, and ask for a number to call back if it's if they're calling from a bank or if they say they're calling from CRA. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a warrant for your arrest. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, if you don't pay. <laughs> Actually, uh, I'm
1: really glad you brought that up. There's a guy that worked with me, John, uh, who uh he was uh this guy um was got an email saying that he owed sixteen hundred and seventy-two dollars and forty-six cents to the CRA. And if he didn't pay it, They were going to come and arrest him or charge him a fine. Something big. Something was going to happen that scared the heck out of this guy. Okay. And so he goes to the bank and he buys a draft, a bank draft, payable uh, to, um, what's that company that you can do uh, transfers uh, with? uh,
0: Like a Western Union? Yeah, Western Union. Okay.
1: (laughs) And the lady at the bank says, what's this for? So, oh, I owe CRA. Uh, well, you wouldn't be going to Western Union with that. You go. To, you can actually pay it right here. It's at the bank, mm-hmm. or you can do it online on your on my account. There's a way to do it where you can. You don't have to. CRA would never ask you to make a transfer over Western Union. Never. And he was so embarrassed. And they're when not he gonna was, call you, and they won't even call you. They'll just they'll send
0: you letters. They'll right? send you letters.
1: They don't call. No, they, they call. send you. And it's a, an official letter, and you can go on to my account. Everybody can access their account on CRA. It takes a little bit of time to get it started, but once you get it up, you can go there and see what you owe, what they owe you, if your NOA's been processed. I do it all the time. It's 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 a no-brainer. Yeah. It, you don't send money to Western Union to anybody.
0: And and if they're asking you to buy a bunch of gift cards to pay off your debt, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that should be a sign.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, a lot of these things. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about is if something looks too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true and it's probably not right. So just be careful if someone offers you something and they now they want you to pay some a fee up front to be able to get upfront fees. That's not good either. Be careful on that too. There's, there's all kinds of scams. And, and people fall for them because they think they're getting a deal. Yeah. No, shop around. At Google. Oh my gosh, I Google everything. I think I, I
0: heard, um, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about this AI technology, how now they can just get someone's voice, like my son, dad, I'm in trouble, please look up, please, whatever, or or I've been kidnapped, you gotta send thousand um, dollars. and it's very difficult because the other the guy on the other end is using the AI to sound exactly like your child or a concerned parent or a grandmother. They say you should establish a code word with this person, say just to verify stem and say, What's the code word that I gave you? And you can make anything up. And if they can't provide the code word, it's a scam. That's a good one. You should always, I think, if, think, any, for everyone who's listening, if you have children, set up a code word that if, if this ever were to happen, that they know what this code word is and make it something that the kid would remember. I know, I know what your son's code word is. What's that? Pizza? Lamborghini. Lamborghini. I <laughs> mean <That'd be> pizza. <laughs> I was teaching.
1: I was teaching some uh, indigenous youth how to speak Italian yeah. at a family reunion. Yeah. Because on my wife's side, there's some indigenous people, and um, you know what? I, I said, "Okay, everybody, come over here. Three to six years old. I said, I'm going to teach you guys some Italian. The first guy comes over. He's only three. I said, I want you to say Lamborghini. Oh, my God, John, it took so long to get him to pronounce it. Then I went Ferrari with the next guy, yeah. so I ju- and then mozzarella, and I just kept them using food and cars. <laughs> and I, at the, by the end of the, the afternoon, I had all these kids. I said, okay, everyone, come over here. The kids can speak Italian, and they were all using those words. We had so much fun with it, John. So those are good words, something that nobody else would think of using. How do you think
0: technology today is contributing to... to
1: Identity theft and fraud. Oh, like I said in the beginning of our, our conversation, everybody owns a computer. Everyone has a cell phone. Everyone's getting phone calls, texts, and emails. And the the more the, the robotics, the AI, all this stuff that's going like you can you could send out a million, trillions of emails a day around the world, and you're gonna someone's gonna hit it, hit the link, and they're gonna start giving up. Someone's going to answer that phone call yeah. and they're going to give it up. Yeah. They're going to get that they're going to get that uh,
0: email from UPS cuz they are expecting an email package saying we couldn't we couldn't make a delivery. Please click the link to reschedule it and they're going, "Oh my god. I, I wasn't home
1: and they, they're expecting it." And they click the link and yeah, boom because they were getting a package. Yes. And they do have a relative that's in Cuba. And they do have, all these things are taking place. Yeah, and they're just, right. Yeah, they're yeah. playing. They're playing the law of averages. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. They know that at one point someone's going to click on that link and give up that information. Let's go into credit reports. Credit reports, extremely, what, oh, extremely. What could, people, what could people do to protect it? So your credit report gets updated regularly when you do a transaction, when you pay a bill, when you increase your limit, when you pay pay off a, a credit card. All that data gets sent in regularly from all the banks, all the lending institutions, everyone's, your car lease. It's all up to date. Most people have an R1, which is a great credit rating. Once you get into R9, that means you're into collection. Yeah. Okay. So let's go and look at your credit report. If somebody was to commit fraud and open up a credit card, car lease a loan without your knowledge, and then it goes into default, that is a mess. You're going to get phone calls. Okay. But they might've used another phone number when they did it. Mm-hmm. Now the credit report has that phone number on it. They might've used another address. So you're not getting any mail telling you about it. So the best way to protect yourself on that one is you can get a free credit report. There's a couple of companies out there. One of them's called borrow. Well, borrow and then E L L. Okay. Borrow well and free, but they send you marketing material every month, every uh, couple of weeks. They send you information about things you might like, Okay, regarding finances and insurance and things like that, but it's free. Mm-hmm. So that's a regular one you can get up to date. Uh, and, or if you want to get real serious, you can spend $24.95 a month with TransUnion and Equifax and have a credit monitoring program set up that actually will pay to restore your credit back to normal and any identity theft up to a million dollars. Hmm. Now there's obviously there's some clauses in there, you know what they'll pay for and what they won't pay for. Twenty four ninety nine is not for both. It's each, right? Twenty four ninety five if you want Equifax, right? Twenty four ninety five if you want TransUnion. Yeah. I always, I, when I was in the uh, the mortgage industry, I found that Equifax was the better one to deal with. Yeah. But everyone ha- might have different reasons for dealing with different people. If you don't want to spend any money and you just want to monitor your credit on a regular basis. Borrow well is the way to go if you really if you if you can afford it and you think it's better to have a full package that includes that you know up to a million dollars worth of protection, then the 24.95 is well worth it. But another thing you can do, John, is you can also put on a fraud alert, which I have on both my credit bureaus, the one with TransUnion and the one with Equifax, mm-hmm. and my phone number, my cell number is there. If any, anybody goes into, we'll say TD Bank. And they try to open up a loan or a credit card using my social insurance number, my date of birth, my IDs. Say so they've got, my, they've stolen my ID. And now they've recreated me, and they're sitting there in front of the teller—not the teller, the loan officer—and they're trying to get a $10,000 loan to buy an RSP or whatever it is they're going to do. That person, when they go to do my credit check, it'll have a phone number there. They'll—they'll they'll walk away. They'll phone me or before they advance the loan, maybe they might not do it with the person in the, in the room. They might do it later when they leave. They'll call me and say, hey, Graham, I'm just calling to verify that you are applying for a $10,000 loan at TD, at Hillcrest Mall. I go, I haven't been to Hillcrest Mall in, in four years. I have no loans that I'm applying for. That's fraud. Now they'll call the other person in and you know who's going to be waiting for them when they come in? The police. They catch them right on the spot. And mm-hmm. inside their wallet, they'll see an ID that has my name They'll see a social insurance card that has my number, wow. everything. They can catch them right on the spot. So free fraud alert, free, free credit reports from BorrowWell. And if you want, you can spend $24.95 with the two Canadian credit bureaus to get your own credit monitoring that has insurance on it. But Equifax and TransUnion will also give you a free uh, credit report if you call them or or email them, right? They'll send you a copy. Yes, you can get a free credit report. Uh, Now, last time I checked, it doesn't have the credit score on it when it's free. But it does have all your current, uh, uh, all your liabilities and past liabilities and your current address, your previous address and where you work. And all the inquiries. And the inquiries, yeah. Yeah, inquiries is a, it's a good one, John. Let me just say one thing about inquiries. There's two inquiries, a soft hit and a hard hit. Yeah. Soft is when BorrowWell does it for you or TransUnion or Equifax does that monthly monitoring for you yep. and gives a report. That's a soft hit. It doesn't show up against, it doesn't hinder your, make your score go down. Because every time you requ- request for credit, your, your score goes down a little bit. If you're seeking a lot of credit, credit seekers, their scores go down dramatically. That means you're. You and it's an not, algorithm. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. it knows if you're shopping credit. That's right. And anyone who shops a lot, that doesn't look good. So, uh, you know, why are they shopping a lot? They're trying to get a good rate or are they getting declined? Yes. Yeah. So um, at the end of the day, um, your soft hit is fine. But if you do go out to seek credit, it's called a hard hit. Those are the two the variances. So the hard hit will
0: reduce your score. And usually if, it's not by lotting mean, no, people. three to six points. Yeah, it's not like by, that. but if you're constantly doing it, if you're doing, you know, several lenders in, in a day over or a, a week. Sp- yes, In a short period of time. Yeah, that yes, doesn't look it's, good. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's really good to hit. You know, it's interesting you brought up that whole fraud alert because I, I, I'm I doing a mortgage for a client. And on when I pulled their credit report, um, it's through Acrofax, they had an alert on there, uh, alert for new credit. So the underwriter actually uh, called me and said, there's this alert on there. I have to call the client and make sure that they are aware of the, uh, the mortgage that's being applied for. Is, do you know if there's a good time for, for me to
1: call the that's client? That's excellent. What the, what the underwriter did? Yeah. Telling you in advance. Yeah. That's, like, that's really good service.
0: Yeah. And so, so I had to call the client and say, hey, listen, you've got this thing on your credit report the underwriter needs to call you and verify that you are aware of this mortgage that is being applied for. Yeah. When's a good time? And, uh, they said, well, call me now. So we got hold of the underwriter, called them. She met, she emailed me back. Yep. Spoke to them. We're all good to proceed. So that's a really good point that you said is just put a, put a fraud alert, um, on your bureau so that anyone who is going there, the person who is, who is looking to extend the credit,
1: is gonna be calling you just to verify. So that's really, that's, that's a really good point there. So when, before you go on to the next question, there was a thing, I went on to the um, uh, Equifax this morning, uh, just doing a little bit of extra research for today's call. And it does say you can get it for free if you suspect suspect you've been a victim of identity theft or fraud. So it just has to be suspicion. You don't have to prove to them that you were. Okay. So just as you just have to say, yeah, yeah I was. Yeah. What are some of the psychological tactics
0: used by fraudsters to deceive and manipulate their victims?
1: Well, the psychological one, the, the fear, fear is a big one. Fear of losing access to your credit card. Fear of losing access to your phone, to your computer. You you must give me this information. I'm calling from Microsoft, Canada. Uh, pardon me? Yeah, um, Mr. McWaters. Do I have Mr. McWaters on the phone? Yes. Your, your computer has been compromised. We must access your computer or you you might lose all the data. Losing the data on your computer. You do not want to lose all those pictures, the mm-hmm. music, the memories, access to communicate with family and friends. The fear is a big one. And and they do that. And they keep on going. And, they, and even when you tell them where to go and flush them down the toilet, like I usually do with the sound effect, uh, they still call back 20 minutes later. And because they got a live person on the phone, they love it. Oh, let's go back. Let's talk to them again. So fear is a big one. Um, also, the um, the uh, going to jail, like again, that's fear again. If you don't pay this, you're there's going to be someone at your door and arrest you for not paying that CRA bill of sixteen hundred dollars. There's no way they're going to put you in jail for they have to go through a process to be able to do that. But there's people that are scared of going to jail, scared of losing something, scared of not having access to something. So fear is that, that's the biggest one, John. Yeah, how important
0: is it for people to report even even the smallest one? You said sometimes that people people are just embarrassed by it, like. But how how important do you think it is for people to report incidences of fraud?
1: So the and the, who do they report the, it yeah, to? The, the police. And there's also a um, I don't have the name of the website in front of me right now, but there's a fraud uh, center uh, run by the RCMP and some of the provincial uh, governments where you can report. Um, maybe we can post it later uh, another date. Um, and, or you can actually just Google how to report identity theft in Canada. How do I report uh, fraud and credit report or or fraud and identity theft in Canada? You'll see the site will pop up. It's, it's one of the top ones. And basically by reporting it to these people, um, what's happening is they can now keep track of what's happening. And they, they'll, they'll have a, a pattern that this is happening the most, for example, what is the most active crime in Canada right now? People stealing cars. Okay, so the federal government has just put in a hundred million dollar uh, pot to help the province of Ontario reduce that. That's costing consumers a lot of money and a lot of stress because those all those thefts got reported. I know,
0: I know how to stop that. You don't even have to put a hundred million bucks. All you have to do is make the punishes tougher. Yeah. Right now, Trudeau's got to catch and release. There's, they're getting a slap on the hand. Well, do you they're, know a lot of them are? They're getting booked um, in the morning. They're getting released to the end of the day. You know, a lot of them are underage. The criminals are hiring sixteen-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter. You know what? Fourteen. You steal a car at fourteen. You know what you're doing.
1: If you're if you're a big boy to do an at all crime you do at all time. Yeah. So back to the, the the point of reporting. Yeah. Everyone's reporting the car crimes, nonstop, and you hear it in the media all the time. Yeah. If you don't, report- I was a victim of it. Oh, my truck go. got stolen out of my driveway. There you go. So at the end of the day, you if you don't report it, they're not going to know what's going on. They won't be able to solve the crimes of in the future. So everyone is doing the same, same fraud. And and they and they report it. They're going to go, so this call looks like it came in from this part of the world. Okay. Oh, we've got an agreement in Poland. Let's go to Poland and, and capture the group that's doing it. They've done this before, right, by the way. Okay. There was a boiler room activity going on in Canada, uh, in Toronto, Montreal. And it, uh, the source of it all originated in India. And they, they were able to go to India and make arrests because they had an agreement with the Indian government to shut it down. And it all originated there. And it, then there was swing, you know, they had offshoots of it. A lot of these phone scams. Yeah, the, the, this was a phone one. Yeah. So again, it had people not reported it, they wouldn't have known that this was happening. So the more you report, the better it is for the police and the authorities to be able to narrow down who's doing it, where it's happening, so they can shut it down and pro- advertise to the consumer. Beware of this. What are the potential consequences of not reporting? well, then the, the police won't be working on it. If nobody reported their car stolen, they wouldn't be looking for people that steal cars. The same they, you want to have, the more information the police have on what's going on when it comes to identity theft and fraud, the more the victims share, the more the opportunity for them to, to slow it down or at least you know potentially make some arrests. So those emails that I get from DHL,
0: UPS, Amazon, or some guy telling me he's caught me jerking off to some porn, he's trying to get some Bitcoin out of me. Um, do you should I report those email addresses? Or because I mean obviously they have there's a link. I mean, if if they have some sort of if I if I hover over where it's being sent from and some, and you know what, and they're getting they're getting really sophisticated now. Like the ones that are sending you to to transfer money to the Bitcoin, it came from my email address. If yeah, I the, hover yeah, over it's sent by me. If I try to block it,
1: I'm blocking myself. Like, how oh, do they get that? that's very sophisticated. They're very, how do they get a way, to that? there's I think uh, what I've done, every so often, I send um, some of the spam I get to Rogers. Mm. So if you're, uh, are you with Rogers or Bell? or Bell. Okay, so go on to Bell, uh, Bell Media's website or Bell Mobility or whatever. Find out what email address you can forward your spam email to. And every every so often send a few of them off to them. They'll respond with, thank you very much for sending this to us. Uh, as an, uh, our advice to you is never click on any of the links that were sent to you. Mm-hmm. Do not do the fault follow- they give you three or four pieces of advice, but they have they, it's an automatic response, that one. But they do they I'm sure if a thousand people a month send them the same spam sent different ways, they probably have somebody at the head office who looks into that. I can't imagine they would just take it and not do anything with it because it's in their best interest to, you know, protect the consumer that's buying their service. Sure, yeah. Yeah. So you wrote a book called The Canadian Guide to Protecting Yourself from Identity
0: Theft and Other Fraud. And throughout the book, you include true stories about identity theft. Can you share one or two examples uh, that would illustrate how fraud takes place
1: and the impact on the individuals? Right in the beginning of the book, we talk about a a young girl from out west who was down in uh, Florida, um, and she went to take some money uh, out of, No, she's in Mexico, sorry, and she went to take money out of her bank account at a debit machine, and she had no money left in her account. So um, she then uh, started using her credit card. Um, She gets back home, and she finds out that her bank account had been emptied, and uh, now there were credit cards also set up in her name. Somebody had rented a car in her name. Somebody had gone to Whistler and rented skis in her name. All these activities that I just mentioned, she had never done any of them. She reported it to the RCMP. Uh, she reported it to the local police. And it took about a year and a half to two years to get everything back to normal. And, and she's only like about 23, What 24. a pain in the ass that is. Unbelievable. Uh, there were people driving around with with, with cars that, that they rented that under her name. You know? And I think there had been an accident. Something happened where that car rental thing became a nightmare for her as well. Oh, that's right. The uh, uh, the British Columbia Insurance Bureau. There's an agency that oversees car insurance in in every province, I, I believe there is. But out there, they were chasing her to pay something, something to do with the damage or a deductible or something. And she'd never been in the. She'd never rented the car. She was never in an accident. Um, the other one is it happened. But here. That's, before you go on that's, and that's just
0: a real big pain too. Cause what ends up happening is they're going to throw into collection. It wasn't me. Well, you know what? Deal with it with the police. But in the meantime, they're going after, they want somebody to pay and they're going to report it to the bureau. It's going to go on as uh an R nine or get yeah, written off yeah. or an R seven. And now you've got to deal with not only the police, you got to deal with the credit bureaus to try and get your credit fixed because now you're pooched from even trying to get any type of credit for anything for a couple of years. True.
1: Yes. yes, It's a nightmare. I was in uh, Newfoundland uh, speaking at a financial planner conference and I had this guy, he told me he was a victim twice of identity theft. That's not in my book. Um, but it had to do with CRA and, all kinds of stuff. Somebody had got his SIN number and applied for a job in Ontario. The refund the client was supposed to get in Newfoundland was larger than what he thought he was going to get. So he called the CRA to ask why. And they verified that he lived in Scarborough. He says, no, I live in this city. And, and again, that that got shut down. But the other one that's really, really bad is the there's this guy, Paul, I think it was Paul Ravinsky, uh, um, owned a, a house in Toronto, rented it out to a young man, Rent came in on a regular basis. One day, uh, Paul is walking through the neighbor and he sees a local a neighbor and the neighbor says, so, Paul, I I, I I never thought you'd sell your home. He goes, what are you talking about? I never sold my home. He says, yeah, there's a new family living there right now. He goes, are you sure you're talking about, Paul, I lived two doors down from you for the last 25 years. I don't know exactly which is your house. He goes to knock on the door. There's a young couple there with a child. And he uh, he says, uh Where's the uh, my tenant? Uh, I forget the guy's name. I'll just make it up. Uh, Luigi. Where's Luigi? He goes. Uh, we bought the house uh, from a young man. Uh, his name was Paul, or or no no. His name was Luigi. That's right. They did the research. Luigi had set up a false power of attorney on behalf of Paul. That gave him permission to sell his real estate. Wow. People in now this guy's gone with the money. Over half a million bucks. He's gone. There was no mortgage on the property, no title insurance, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, The bottom line is Paul just got ripped off and good luck trying to get the money back. This guy's gone. That's another big thing um,
0: is really big right now is mortgage fraud and title fraud. You want to talk
1: about that? Well, the mortgage fraud is someone uh, pretending uh, to be you and taking out a, a loan on your, your property, which uh, my wife was a victim of that when she worked at a, at a bank. Um, she went to do a loan with somebody and she's sitting in their house, husband and wife. And she does a line of credit with them, a home equity line of credit. And a few months later, it went into arrears and they investigated and they went, a letter went to the owner and the owner says, I never took out a line of credit in my house. He was in Florida. Oh, somebody impersonating him and his wife took out the line of credit. My wife checked the IDs. The guy just happened to have the same name as his dad. Wow. They figured it was him. And when we Google searched, he was a mortgage broker. <laughs> so he knew all the ins and outs of how you could do all this. But they kept on saying to my wife, so can you tell us what the covers look like? They actually thought she was part of the fraud. Now the title fraud, that's another one. Uh, when someone takes title of your property, um, now they can put a mortgage on it. So th- how they do that, they they somehow transfer the title. So if you don't have a mortgage on your property, it's easy to transfer title. But if you have a mortgage, it has to get get paid off.
0: Your book mentions the importance of recycling mail. How can this small thing have such a big impact on someone taking your identity and creating fraud with it? Okay, so
1: you get mail. It's got your name and address on it. You got mail. Yeah, you got mail. It actually (laughs) says that too. And it's not Hotmail or Yahoo. And uh, so you have paper mail and it, you, it's got your name and address on it. Is it okay to put that in the blue bin? I never do. I always shred anything that has my name and address on it. Okay. Okay. I'll give you an example. You get mail from um, a, a company that sells glasses and it's your, it's around your birthday. It says, congratulations, John, you are eligible for a two for one. And you go, wow, that's pretty good. And then you call a number or go to a link and they ask you to verify some information to make sure it is who you are. That mail was false. The people that got found out you were getting glasses from that glass company, they went through your blue bin and saw something, a newsletter you got from that company. So now they go and so they people people could be going through blue bins and taking out personal and identifiable identifiable information and then trying to scam you into doing something. Uh the worst stuff in the mail that can get stolen, that can really mess you up is when your accountant sends you uh, documents related to income tax, Mm. T4s, NOAs, things like that. Somebody could take that, steam it open, copy it all, then put it back in your mailbox. You wouldn't even know they did it. Somebody could, we've heard of stories where people follow the mailman in wealthy communities. And if you don't have a locked mailbox or one that goes in the door and it's you know, just a little thing you open up, put it in, then it closes down. In the country, for example, that little red flag goes up. Hey, there's mail in there. Mm-hmm. Well, you just have to drive by, check it Oh, Nothing from CRA today. Oh, there's one from CRA. They take it, steam it open, take the information, in, go back, put it back in. You don't and even know someone's even looked at it. you think they're probably doing it at a certain time of year, kind of like around April, May-ish? Well, when they could be doing it to get... If they are looking for um, that that date of birth and the social insurance number, there's a good chance some of it could be on some of the tax stocks you get. Yes, yes, Definitely. So that you don't want to, anything with your name, address, phone number, social insurance number, you know, date of birth, anything like that, shred it, burn it. Any final advice to people listening how they can protect themselves? Well, one thing we didn't uh, talk about uh, uh, is title insurance. So you should get title insurance. Absolutely. $300 to $500, depending on the value of your home. And that will protect you for title and mortgage fraud, no matter what happens. As long as you're not part of the fraud what uh, someone when our ha- when you're buying a house your lawyer yeah, your lawyer it. is
0: going to get you the title insurance.
1: Yeah. Sometimes that title insurance you get could be for the lender. Yes. You might want to get your own title insurance for yourself. True. Okay? Yeah. Cuz it there's two different types. One the lender will buy to protect protect themselves, but you can get your own separate policy. And you can get it after you bought the house. So right now today, if I don't have title insurance on my property, I can go get it. Okay, so title insurance is good for protecting your your real estate and um Whatever you do, do not give out any personal information over the phone, email, or text, unless you know who you're dealing with. And nobody's going to text you to say, I need it. And if someone sends you an email from a certain place, go verify, go to the the link uh, to the email, not the email, but the their website. Call up the person on the back of your credit card on your loan statement, on your leasing statement. Don't do anything that... Don't give it out to someone when they approach you like that. Go to them to give it. Yeah, and don't be pressured.
0: Um, if you say listen, I, I I need to call and verify this. No, 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 no. If if they're trying to pressure you, that's a that's a red flag.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, uh, it's got to be done quickly. Sounds too good to be true. The pressure, pressure yeah. the, the fear, the has got to be done now. Yeah, the fear, fi- all those things, those are red those are red flags. So the most important thing is protect your personal and identifiable information. And don't give it out to strangers. That's been great advice. Uh, Where can people buy your book? Well, we have a a very special event happening today. Anybody that sends their email address to you requesting the book, they're getting a free copy in PDF format, compliments of John Durbano and Graham McWatters. Thank you, Graham. So anybody, I've got a PDF I'm going to send to you of the book. I don't have any hard copies left. The PDF is going to be given away free all of your friends, family, and clients. That's amazing. Thank you. So uh, what you could do is you can actually go
0: to um and there's going to be a link there that they can actually download a free copy, a PDF copy of Graham's book called The Canadian Guide to Protecting Yourself from Identity Theft and Other Fraud. Graham, this has been great. I mean, this is such a really big topic that I think a lot of people have just been lost, and there's been a lot of victims of. Um, I, for one, was a victim of auto theft, not identity theft, but um, I think you've put a lot of really great ideas in people's minds that they can go and protect themselves. So thank you so much, and thank you for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you, John. It was a great, great, great moment. Glad to be here with you.
0: Yeah, And guys, uh, also please, if you want to help out Graham and his hockey drive, please go to, what's the website again? Theiropportunity.com. Amazing. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Please share this episode with a friend. It's how we are able to create an algorithm that helps put us to the top of the list. Take care of your wealth and your health.